0: Welcome to another episode of Abstract, the podcast of the Metropolitan Educational Research Consortium in the School of Education at Virginia Commonwealth University, where we explore issues and ideas in public K-12 education. My name is Hillary Parkhouse. I'm a faculty affiliate of Merck and the host of today's podcast. Over the past two years, Merck has been working with a group of about 40 educators on the Art Crit Project. That stands for Action Research Teams for Culturally Responsive Teaching. This project is a collaboration between Merck, Henrico County Public Schools and Chesterfield County Public Schools. Since the summer of 2019, ARTCRIT has worked with educators from two high schools in Chesterfield, that's Monacan and Meadowbrook, and two middle schools in Henrico, Cuyakasin and Tuckahoe. The teams include teachers, counselors, librarians, and deans, each of whom designed and carried out an action research project to answer questions about their their culturally responsive teaching practices Uh, the impacts on student outcomes, and um, working to support their own professional growth in this area. As we're coming to the conclusion of this professional development program, we wanted to share some of what has been learned along the way in the form of advice for others interested in taking the journey towards culturally responsive teaching. To capture our collective learning, we did brainstorming sessions with the teams and then organized their advice into three overarching themes. Today, I will lead a discussion with four of the teachers from the program on one of these themes, sustaining the work of culturally responsive education. So let me introduce everyone to you now. Heather Dawson is an English teacher at Cuyacusun Middle School in Henrico County. Heather is completing her fifth year at this school. She previously taught for almost six years in Richmond City at Martin Luther King Jr. Middle School, her first teaching position. Heather has participated in the Merck Action Research Project for the last two years, which has led to exciting collaborations with her colleagues as well as a renewed sense of community in the classroom with her theme of belonging in her research project. David Glass is a social studies and ESL teacher at Meadowbrook High School where he's been teaching the past seven years. David's action research has focused on English language learners developing a strong sense of belonging at school and using a social action approach to multicultural education. He is a new member of the Mark English Learner Research and Evaluation Team, and will be working on a new project discovering multicultural and multilingual students and families' funds of knowledge. Jenny Smith is an 8th grade English teacher and the department chair at Cuyacusin Middle School. This is her 18th year teaching and her 8th at Cuyacusin. Before teaching in Henrico County, she spent a decade teaching middle and high school in Philadelphia. And finally, Kevin Sosha is the Dean of Students at Meadowbrook High School. This is his 16th year in education and his third year at Meadowbrook. Before becoming a Dean of Students, Kevin taught special education and social studies in Henrico and Hanover counties at the middle and high school levels. He's now taking those skills from the classroom and applying them to a school leadership role. And all four of these educators have participated in the Merck Art Crit Project for the last two years. So welcome to all of you. Thank you all so much for joining me today. I'm excited about our conversation. Before we get into the topic of sustaining the work of culturally responsive teaching, can you all just briefly describe your action research projects and how you were attempting to develop culturally responsive practices? Jenny, can you start
1: us off? Yes, I can, sorry. yeah, so I last year in the first year of the program my my project was geared towards um student writing and how students use writing as a way of both like bringing their identity into a classroom but also exploring their identity through the way and what they write. Um and then kind of transitioning for there into writing as a as a way to engage with the world around you or writing as a way to um take action. Um this year with virtual learning I very much shifted gears and my project was around building relationships in virtual learning. And then as the year went on, I spoke, I focused specifically on building relationships with the students who were the most disengaged with virtual learning.
0: Okay, thank you. Um, da- David, can you tell us about your action research project?
2: Sure. Um, so in the first year I focused uh, a lot on just student sense of belonging and um, just how developing a stronger sense of belonging in the school setting um, helped engagement attendance and even academic performance in the last uh, this past year i've really focused more with uh, my older students in using more of a project-based social action approach and looking for you know how um, that engagement increased and and really a sense of agency uh, within the school setting, but also in the community. So um, that, that's been my focus in the last year.
0: Great, um, Kevin.
3: Hi, um, and so my my focus for the last couple of years is trying to develop uh, agency in uh, our students and giving them opportunities to, um, to basically, uh, help their school and develop a a sense of belonging and uh, wanting them to be belong to the school and also to help each other um and so last year i was really working on developing a a mentorship program for our ninth grade uh students so older students uh 10 through uh 12th graders uh mentoring upcoming freshmen um those plans kind of got sidetracked a little bit from covid for this year we're starting the school year virtually we kind of shifted and we moved and so this year our, our my focus was developing a a, a, a plc that is um that is a culturally responsive plc with teachers from our merc team and then other teachers within our school that want to be part of what is culturally responsive teaching find out more and so with that we've also included students into that group and the students that are that that have Come to our meetings this year. Have I really? Th- I really think that it, they've given our teachers uh, kind of an insight into what the student is going through, and and really developing that kind of relationship between our teachers and our students. And and they've even be, our students are 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 talking to our teachers more in, in, in positive ways, and and our teachers are are taking the feedback that they've received from our students, and and taking that and applying it into the classroom.
0: Great. And just for any listeners who might not be familiar, can you um, tell us what PLC stands for?
3: Yeah, uh, PLC is a... professional or professional learning community. So um, this professional learning community is, is, is revolving around the topic of cultural responsive te- teaching. So we've uh, looked at some research and uh, dived into some data from the school. And then we kind of present that data back to the teachers and the students and we kind of have an open discussion and, and talk about it and kind of come up with some following action steps for kind of our next meetings.
4: Great, thank you, and Heather. Hi, so um, last year I worked a lot with my project on my students having a sense of kind of belonging and feeling connected in the classroom. And like everybody else this year, virtual learning through us a loop. And um, so I kind of looked this year with a different kind of lens and I went more so through writing because that was easier for me to see in the virtual world than actually interactions with my students. And so I looked a lot at um, the different types of writing in three general, in three different types of classes. An advanced class, a standard class with that heavy ELL population, which is English language learner, and also with a um, collaborative class. And a collaborative class is where I have um, special education students in there and I have a co-teacher in that classroom. So I felt like looking at the things that I had this year, um, we were exploring a lot with our identities and how we showed our identities and how comfortable we felt with ourselves through writing. And it was very interesting when you look at the data to see how different the three different types of classes approach this kind of concept.
0: Thank you all. So um, as we can see from your projects there are a lot of different dimensions of culturally responsive teaching. So it might be helpful to start by sharing what we mean by culturally responsive education. Um, so you all touched on relationships and sense of belonging, um, student voice a bit, um, curriculum. So uh, when we talk about culturally responsive education, what what do we mean by that, or how how do you define it? And Kevin, can you start us off?
3: Yeah, and it, I kind of remind myself of. There's been a student group that has been involved with our cultural responsive teaching in the Merck um, that is also done by the, um, uh, in, forgive me if I forget the acronym for it, was it the-, the, the, um, the, Virginia, the was,
0: Virginia Center for Inclusive Communities? Yes,
3: the Virginia Center of Inclusive, uh, Inclusive Communities. And they've been working on a, a project uh, in, in, in the last few months uh in in developing like what is culturally responsive teaching on from the student point of view and then they're developing a, an end project so the, the I actually went to the first meeting and, and listened to the students kind of talking about about what is culturally responsive teaching just by the words and it was really just kind of interesting where they dived into what is culture what is responsive what is teaching and really came up with some some good ideas and it really comes down to Understanding a student, all right, forming a relationship with a student, and then using those relationship pieces and that and, and what they what they know about the student, and, and and using it to leverage their teaching into reaching every kid, uh, and and that's kind of what the students came up with without even knowing what culture responsive teaching. It was really really interesting to kind of hear them talk around that. Uh, and and come up with a pretty solid uh, uh definition for culturally responsive teaching. Others
0: have um anything you would add?
1: I I totally agree with that. I think the 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 idea of the building relationships and, and being student centered and letting student voice or student knowledge drive things is is super important. And I think one thing that um I'm I'm I kind of like have to relearn this all the time is that it's also for me about um, culturally responsive teaching is also about challenging the status quo that has not always served all of our students. And that might be like the status quo as far as like a set of pedagogical practices. It might be the status quo as far as texts. It might be the status quo as far as like how kids get full into the course. Really Looking at every place where we just kind of let the the wheel of education keep turning without disrupting to say, wait, is this? But is this right? <laughs> is this what we wanted it to be? And what we meant for it to do? And I, to me, like CRT is like the the. There's a metaphor that I can't think of right now. You're like sticking the, the stick in the wheel to make it stop turning for a minute and maybe like correct course a little bit. Other thoughts?
2: Yeah, I would just <clears throat> and I agree with everything that's been said. Um, but you know, I it, I kind of go back to Gloria Latson billings and you know, it's. it it really, at the end of the day, it comes down to learning. And so it's taking, you know, students' culture and language and how do you leverage that for learning? And how do you help them to become independent learners? And so I, I agree with Jenny. I mean, sometimes it's hard to kind of stop things and say, why are we doing things this way? Well, we've always done it. Okay, well, I've been here seven years, you've been here 10 years. Well, who decided this was the best way to do it? And, you know, you get a lot of pushback. Um, I'm in a, in a class with world history where there's an SOL, and it's just overwhelming the amount of uh, information that English language learners have to, to learn or remember or to, to do well on the SOL. Well, why don't we cut some of that back? And focus more on critical thinking skills so that they may not remember everything and just, you know, there's that low hanging fruit, simple recall. But what happens when they have to start thinking, you know? And so I think as culturally responsive teachers, we have to challenge our PLCs and our administrators and say, look, you know, these may be English language learners, these may be special education students, whatever it is, but. You know, if we just keep just trying to force information in and we don't slow down and, you know, split the input with what can they do with that and save time, you know, so that's, that's one of the things that I've tried to, in my history classes is to focus more on what can they do with this. Let's cut down on all the stuff we're given and how do we use cooperative learning groups and how do we use their first language and these other assets they bring with them into the classroom to, you know, to work on critical thinking skills for learning and and to become independent learners.
0: And for those who aren't familiar, SOL in Virginia, the standards of learning and also the name for the end of course exams. I think that's a great example of what Jenny was talking about, this status quo that um, teachers are are in. And um, it's helpful for culturally responsive teachers to pause and Critically reflect on what are the impacts of these high stakes tests on our curriculum and what our students are learning and whether they're becoming critical thinkers. Um, Okay, so the theme of this episode is sustaining the work of culturally responsive education because it's not always easy to be a culturally responsive educator. What are some of the challenges of culturally responsive education and what are some strategies for addressing these challenges? And Jenny, we'll start with you this time.
1: Sure. Um, So I think. I mean, the I think that the challenges of culturally responsive, of being a culturally responsive educator, is that um, oftentimes it involves taking a risk or, or or departing from the way that you've done something in the past. Um, and I think that can be like, you know, just within your classroom or within a whole school system or within just within your school. Um, and I think anytime you're doing that, it's uncomfortable because you're not sure, like, is this going to work? Am I going to get in trouble? Um, all the reasons why taking a risk in the classroom can be really challenging. You know, you're, it's, it's your time with students. And so you worry, like, if I try something new and it fails, have I wasted this time with our kids? Um, or if I, if I try this thing and it's, and it's, it doesn't go the way I thought it was going to go. Have I, you know, damaged the reputation of, of, of CRT in the building? I think the the ways that we've addressed these challenges in, in my building and specifically um, related to the Mark team is the group of teachers that have been a part of this, project at our school. So there were eight of us in addition to Heather and I. I think just knowing that there are eight of us in the building that are doing this work has been, I can't even explain how huge that's been. I mean, it's been incredibly significant. Like, you, you know, we all know, like, if I'm going to try something and it flops, I know who I can talk to about that. Or if I have an idea and I just need to, like, say it out loud to somebody, I know who I can talk to. Or if I heard something in a meeting today that, like, just did not sound right, but I want to make sure I'm not insane. I know who I can talk to that. We have an automatic group of people in the building that, um, are, I know that they're reading the same things that I'm reading and and it's, it's been incredibly valuable to have the network in our school to start to, um, feel, to to feel good about making some of the changes that we want to make and feel supported with each other and making those changes.
0: Yes. And that's, um, we're going to return to that point about, um, the importance of, having colleagues, and then um, I'll ask you all to share strategies for someone interested in this work. How do you find those colleagues? Um, Before we get there, are there other challenges of culturally responsive education and strategies for addressing those that anyone else wants to share?
3: I guess one of the the challenges is that a lot of the times that, well, a lot of the times when we talk about education um, or something that needs to be done, I, I think every teacher needs to be culturally responsive and have that relationship with students and use that in, within the classroom and, and and use it to benefit the learning in the classroom. Um, and sometimes it's it, it, there's a sense of urgency where um, where, where things, we, we want to have a, a quick fix for something. And, and the challenge is to be a culturally responsive teacher, this is not just, it, it, you, you do it once and it's over. This is a continuous work. It's it's something that you have to work on, and you're going to get better. Um, and, and then you have to work with your colleagues to have that connection. And even that that connection will even if they're not culturally responsive teaching, maybe they see what you're doing and the responses that that you're seeing from your your students within the classroom, it will bleed over into that next classroom. And so that's this is this is a slow process but I think it, it has benefit for everybody. And I think we just have to kind of remind ourselves that that yes, it, it, it culturally responsive teaching is, is, is not a one and done, it, it's a continuous mindset shift in, in education.
0: I think that's a great point that um, that can be a challenge is allowing it to take the time it needs and not being eager for a quick fix, as
4: you said. Any other thoughts? Um, I'll also say that, um, you know, everything in So is completely what goes on in our building. We're extremely lucky that we have a very supportive administration that goes along with um, our practices. Um, But I think also one of the challenges could be um, having that kind of communal support because um, when you look at um, any kind of pushback that we get, it does come from the community. So I think that what we kind of need to do is maybe reach out more so to our community about the practices that we are doing and the reasons why we're doing it, not just telling them when we're doing it, but let them really understand why we are doing that.
0: Okay, so we'll return to this question about um, how do you find colleagues to collaborate? Um, You all talked throughout the program about the importance of share, having people you can share both your struggles and your successes with, and bounce ideas off of each other and get feedback. So what are some ways others interested in this work can work to build a community of culturally responsive educators around themselves? And Heather, do you want to
4: start? Sure. Um, I would definitely say this, the Merck problem, A uh, Merck problem, Merck program um, definitely got the, <laughs> the ball rolling. Um, you know, having that kind of collaboration as a department also helps. Um, I will say that most of the people in our program are English teachers, so that has really helped us tremendously with our practices at school. Um, you know, also, you can kind of find other teachers kind of just by listening to your students. Your students like to talk. They like to tell you if they learned something interesting. And if they learn something interesting in this class, you can be like, well, that's something maybe I should look into. Maybe I should talk to this teacher and find out what they're doing that has my students so interested and, in, you know, and, and what kind of approach they're taking to this. I think that is something, and that's a great way to find like-minded educators in the building. Um, you know, you you have to find teachers that are willing to take risks. And that's, that's the, the biggest um, I think challenge of finding others because sometimes we are, you know, we do get comfortable. And sometimes we have to learn how to push those boundaries of comfort in order to do what is um, right for our students. Um, you know, sorry, um, you know, also when you're designing, you know, the lessons around our curriculum and everything too that are mandated by the states, We have to also keep thinking too, um, you know, with our teammates and like-minded people, that you know we we need to build our ideas on really the cultural experiences and individual experiences of our students. So I think it's you know we need to find people that want to reflect the social content that we have in our world now, reflect the justice that we're showing, reflect real world things with our kids, you know, not the antiquated. Uh, learning of the past, but things that are really, we have to look at it at teaching in a whole different way if we're going to reach today's students. And I think we have, when you find educators like that, I think it really does make a great difference.
0: Other strategies for finding like-minded educators?
2: Well, I I agree with what Heather said. Um, Starting with with students and even families, Um, you know, it's, do we look at the assets that they bring with them into the classroom that the families already have, do we view those as deficits? And, you know, I think our greatest challenge going forward is it's easy to get into your own little silo and it may be department, it may just be your hall or, but you get so overwhelmed with the amount of work, you know, and forms and stuff that you're constantly filling out and, changes are gonna come from us. You know, it's not gonna to be top down. That's not gonna change the whole culture of a school. It's gonna be from the bottom up when you start having conversations, you take somebody in kind of you know, under your wing or mentor them a little bit and slowly identifying who are the teachers in the building that really care deeply about these students and who see the, those assets and forming these unofficial plc's and stuff and getting together so that you're not constantly working you know one on by yourself i guess is, is what i'm trying to say and if we really truly believe that this is this is the best um approach for our students then we have to be pretty steadfast and this is this is what our, our students need this is what's going to really change things in terms of learning and developing that sense of belonging. We all have data, all of our data suggests that, or or reveals that when we follow through with these different action steps, we see engagement go up, we see a greater sense of belonging, we see academic improvement. So it, it really is a challenge to bring more people on from a grassroots kind of a standpoint.
3: Yeah, and I agree with every what everybody else has said, um, I, and I have a different kind of role um, as as a as a building administrator, and so, uh, and I visit classrooms, uh, uh, like student or walkthroughs of, of classrooms, and and even just walking down the hall, and you hear a door open, and you hear what's going on, uh, you know where where it's happening and where it's not, um, but then also if you. Know what's happening, what what teachers are maybe cultural response but they don't know it yet. Uh, trying to bring those those teachers together in in some way, shape, or form is, is also a, 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 a I, I think a positive way. Or pairing somebody up, or have you talked to this person um, and, and and trying to connect some people that are, are like minded, but they might not know it yet. And so uh, I, I I feel like I've done that a little bit here at, at, at Meadowbrook High School, just being able to uh, know what's happening in maybe a, a history class, Mr. Glass's class versus what's happening downstairs in the English class. Uh, so those those connections and trying to foster a connection between, people, between teachers too as well.
0: Those are great strategies. Uh, you um, covered all the bases, listening to the students, um, Finding like-minded colleagues, building like-minded colleagues, um, and maybe working with others in the building to identify who may take similar approaches and, and not just call it culturally responsive teaching or have that background knowledge yet. Um, When we asked teachers in the program to give advice to other teachers who wanted to do this work, many teachers said to keep a long view. In other words, hold fast to your ultimate goal in teaching, knowing these may be bigger than your content area standards or your day-to-day instructional goals. What are some of these ultimate goals that you have for your students and how do you use culturally responsive education to help pursue these goals? David, we'll start with you this time.
2: Well, I think we've, we've talked about a little bit, but I'll just kind of reiterate um, when I think about long-term goals is, you know, it's really getting, shifting away from this idea of education as work. Um, I've got assignments to do, you know, work to turn in and getting, creating a culture of thinking and, you know, more about learning. And, you know, it sounds like that would just be the obvious, like, oh yeah, you go to school to learn, but that, that really is not the, you know, sort of the, the mindset. It's, I go to school to turn in work and to get a grade. And so, you know, it it really, I think is how do we shift that to this, you know, critical thinking becomes kind of the norm in the classroom. And so, It's it's kind of challenging, you know, to get other teachers to think that way. Um, I think partly because everything has become so just sort of linear. You know, you have a unit, you do a unit test, and you're marching towards the end of the year, and just getting the curriculum covered. And so, I I think that that we have to step back and say, you know, what do we really want to happen? What are our goals? That you know, kids are going to forget about, you know, different events and dates and stuff in history. But if they walk away and they know how to look, how to make an argument with evidence and they can see the complexities of situations and they can, they, they recognize perspective, you know, whose perspective is this from and who's being left out? You know, those are the kind of skills that are going to make them more successful down the road, whether it's college or career or just in life. So I I think that's a huge part of culture responsive. And I think sometimes we think so much about the the front side, building rapport and sense of belonging and kind of the warm, fuzzy part. And we we kind of get away from a little bit of what's the end result, you know? Yeah, we want kids to feel like this is a a good, safe place to be, I'm valued and appreciated and all that. That's just to get them to learn. (laughs) That's just the beginning of it. So it's that second part. And to me, that's the battle. I think that's where we really have to dig in and fight and to get out of this, you know, turning in assignments, getting grades and passing tests and, and shift more to what are they really learning? What can they do? What kind of thinking can they do?
0: Yeah, that's a great point. I think a common misconception of people who may not be familiar with culturally responsive teaching is that it is um. Touchy-feely, make everybody feel good in the classroom. Um, when, in fact, as you said, the goal is academic achievement and um, social-emotional well-being, and and the impacts on students beyond um, feeling connected to the teacher or feeling like they're seen. Although those are important too. Um, what other what are some of the other ultimate goals that you have for your students that culture-responsive education can help you achieve?
1: I, I mean, I think I yes, like I wanted to take notes while David was so talking. Like, yes, these are you're saying the things that I've been thinking really well. Because, <laughs> um, but because I think that actually gets back to like a really much broader national conversation about what is the purpose of education, like to train people for work. And I don't really—that's not why I became a teacher to like train kids for. Jobs. That's not, that's not what I thought I was doing. I think sometimes that's what society wants us to be doing. And I actually think that's where CRT has a really important role again in challenging the status quo, because we know that schools have traditionally funneled kids into certain kinds of classes and there were certain kinds of jobs. And but beyond that, like as an English teacher, I want um, I mean, I obviously want like my students to see reading and writing as tools for making change in the world. I want them to see reading and writing as ways of exercising greater control over their own lives, that when you can read and write, you can access information, you can advocate, and that those are things that allow you to create the life for yourself that you want, which is ultimately what I want for my students. I want them to create the life for themselves that they want. And I think the the role that CRT plays in that is creating opportunities in, 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 in a school day for kids to imagine the life that they want. I think that that's a really hard thing for kids to think about is their future. I mean, that's so abstract to a 13-year-old. And so I think it's our job to really, to really open that up for them and to help them imagine what you know what their strengths are, the things that they're good at, and how those things can contribute to the world and their communities.
4: I agree with Jenny. Um, I think that, and especially what, what David was saying about grades, w- which is something that we're talking about right now, I feel like with CRT, we are taking the kids out of the box they've been placed in. and we're letting them see um, what they can become. And I feel like that they get pigeonholed a lot into, into areas that uh, it, it, that, don't, that don't matter to them. And I feel like that when we do with, with CRT, we are approaching them with something that matters to them.
3: I totally agree with everybody in what they've said. Um, And and, um, I guess, becoming like a a first students become a lifelong learner, and and to be intrinsically motivated. And I I don't think we've kind of said that, but it's really to be intrinsically motivated. And then also to understand how to break down their own barriers uh, that they have. Um, Most students don't maybe know what The barrier that they that's in front of them and just having somebody being able to help them navigate through that, I think, is really important. And so uh, teachers have that role in the classroom. I see it from a different aspect. And so um, a lot of the times I I always ask kids, what do you want to be or what do you want to do? uh because they can't see far further than a few weeks or maybe the end of the nine weeks or whatever um and and really get them thinking long term is is a real big goal so just recently i was working with a a student um that wants to go to college but and she's a student that that's uh english is her second language uh she's got a lot of things going on uh she, she had two phones on on the table and i asked her i was like what's up with the two phones and she says well one's mine my dad so I take all the all the calls for him because he doesn't speak that well of English and so I tell him where he needs to go tomorrow in his construction company and so I was like well you, you're telling me a lot right here and then we started talking about what she wants to do you know is in the healthcare industry and then she wants to go to college but doesn't know how to do it financially so I kind of showed her a couple different things that that could work for her um, in, in in helping her achieve her dream. And she was really excited. Uh, so just kind of opening up a door and, and letting them know or letting a student know that they can do what they want to do and, and get to where they go, where, where they want to go.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really important point about developing lifelong learners. How do you all see culturally responsive teaching as helping students to become intrinsically motive, motivated to continue learning and pursuing knowledge, I
1: think I would, I, when 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 Kevin said that, I was thinking I agree, and then I also think that like it's really hard to be intrinsically motivated within a system that does not support you, and so it, it's hard to be motivated to play a game that you don't believe you're ever going to win. Um, so I think part of CRT is about actually again like disrupting some of the practices that have made it hard for our kids to be successful so that they can actually be successful um, because we are, you know, all the things that CRT can be, whether that's, and I, you know, there's like a huge list. And I think, you know, it's things like, and I, someone else tonight has already said, like, it's not just one thing, it's your whole stance. And I, yes. And then within that stance, it's, it's the text you use. It's the way you set up discussions in your classroom. It's the way you, teach kids how to become responsible for their learning I mean all of that is, is is what Crt is and I think when that's happening that's how kids believe like okay then i this 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 place is a place where I belong this is a place that wants me to be successful this place is a, this this system this building these people are um on my side here and and now I and and then I think like the idea of intrinsic motivation makes more sense to talk about um if that makes I don't know if I made sense there but that's kind of how I think about that yeah, definitely makes sense.
0: Other thoughts on the relationship between culturally responsive teaching and developing lifelong learners?
3: I guess I'll take it back to David and just say, it's the development of the skills that, that students can take away, not just from your class, but apply other places. And then they can see it, they can see that skill transferable across multiple multiple content areas or curriculum and and they know how to access and be successful
2: yeah just to piggyback that you know i think gaining the skills but then having the opportunity to do something with it so you know beyond a classroom discussion but real life you know in my service learning class where it's been more of a project based so Kind of free of some curriculum restraints um, you know students were able to really you know kind of look at areas that were interesting or impacted them so for example you know the lunch and 50 percent of the student body is latinx but you know we have typical nuggets pizza you know hamburgers for for lunches and so um, By doing a lunch survey and talking to other students and then presenting that information to, you know, people in the, the county within the, the food services and finding out that people will listen. And on Wednesday, they're having a big food testing, uh, bringing in a bunch of samples. So, you know, there's agency. It's like, you know, we've learned certain things and, and decision making skills and stuff but we did something and people are listening and things are happening. And I told him today, I said, you know, Wednesday when you're sampling the food and all, then it's the last day for this group of seniors in, in, in school. I said, this is like your final exam. This is the culmination of almost a year's worth of work. You did this by yourself. You know, all I did was just sort of organize the project, but you did everything and you'll leave and hopefully there'll be some good options and the menu will change you'll never really benefit personally from that but you know you did something that made a difference now what's the lesson well in my community can i can i do the same thing you know that sense of agency maybe it starts within a classroom maybe it starts within the school building but it it extends into the community and so when you feel empowered when you feel like i can work with a group of people and do my homework, and do my research, and present the data, and I can make stuff change. You know, that really, that's intrinsic motivation. That gives them the, the willpower, you know, to go forward.
3: And I totally agree with that, and I've seen that actually work. Uh, so David, David has been able to do it in his um, in a service learning class. And then even with our culture-responsive PLC that we were working with our student groups, I've, I've taken them to three or four, uh, two different leadership conferences, and in those two leadership conferences, the last one, they were they presented what what why. There's other schools in Virginia should have a CL, CRT PLC at their school. And it was really amazing to hear them talk about why. And they had their own data that they they made to the survey and gave it to kids and, and, and showed it. And they were, they were really, really motivated and, and really excited to be able to present. And I will say the, the first, they had to do four presentations in breakout sessions. The first one was was rough. It was their first time. They've never done something like that. I will tell you by the last one, they were on point and they, 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 you can feel that they were glowing by the end of it. And so uh, they, were, they were frustrated because in this world of virtual learning, uh, most of our students and most students across the state of Virginia and across the country have turned off their cameras, not feeling comfortable to ask those questions that they might have from, from listening to a teacher or, 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 a, stu- or, or a presentation they were they were they wanted people to really bring them some questions and they only had a few and they wanted more they wanted the kids to really challenge them to be why is it important and they would they wanted to tell them
0: so another theme that arose when we asked for your advice for other educators is that even the most culturally responsive classrooms have bad days and there may be times when you feel discouraged And so that may be another challenge um, in doing this work. What are some ways teachers can sustain themselves in the work of culturally responsive education when they may be feeling discouraged that uh, their plans didn't go as they were hoping for them to, or maybe the student response wasn't what they were hoping for?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think one, um, I don't know, maybe this is only me, maybe not all teachers are like this, but I think teachers are, I am at least really good at like, you know, you measure your success by your, the student that's hardest to reach. And so you might be getting, you know, 24 kids, but if you didn't get that 25th, could you feel like the day was a failure? And it's good that we think that way because we want, it, we want all of our students. Um, but I do think sometimes it's really important to like, step back and give yourself some time and space to reflect. I know for me, but like really concrete things that I personally do that help me when I'm feeling discouraged. Um, I, I, I tend to journal a lot about my classroom. And that's really helpful because um, it actually, you know, when when you think something hasn't gone well and you can go back and read what you've written about your year or specific moments in your class, it helps you see things as part of a bigger picture, which makes it easier to to contextualize the one thing that didn't work the way you wanted it to and can also then maybe provide, you know, a path for your next steps. Um, And I also, this is a super hokey teacher answer, but um, you know, for me I think about my students and I think about like especially the ones like that you really they're always ones that you know like I will never forget this child's name I will never forget their face I'll never forget this thing that they said and so on, on on a day where things haven't gone the way I thought they would or um or maybe on a day where you just feel like you're catching heat for what you're trying to do and even though when you know what you're trying to do is right I think just really taking it back to my students is what is what helps me push through
0: and that idea of journaling is a, a piece of advice that came up also in episode one of this series. So um, if listeners haven't listened to that one, Victoria Perrin and Monica and talked about that she um, records reflections um, just on her phone, voice records on her phone, on her drive home. If you know teachers are very busy, maybe you don't have the mental energy to sit down and write at the end of the day, but I thought that was another good strategy. Other thoughts on sustaining yourself when you're feeling discouraged?
4: Um, I would say probably when I'm feeling discouraged about something, I I tend to kind of lean on my colleagues. Um, I like to talk to them about something that I've done, and you know,, um, is it something for me? Is it for me to sit there and say, uh, okay, it wasn't you. you know, it wasn't you, Heather. it was it was it was them. But is it, you know, and do you know that? And you don't know until you really kind of have to really work your way through it by talking to somebody else. To me, conversation, not just with my students, but conversations with my colleagues help me process things more about what I've done in my classroom. And um, and something, did I reach them or did I do the right thing? And I feel like conversations with my colleagues really do Help me get a sense of that, and sometimes conversations with my students. I'm like, is there, you know, something about that you didn't like, or even sometimes conversations with my parents. Uh, it's just talking, talking it through. I love Jenny's journaling idea. I've never even thought of that, so I think that would be a fantastic idea. But as you can tell right now, I'm a talker, so I definitely um, would would um, benefit the most from that.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like in the process of reflecting and talking with colleagues, you feel maybe some encouragement or motivation to continue from that process of feeling like you're developing yourself um, and, and just recognizing that developing CRT is a lifelong journey as well. Any other thoughts on sustaining
3: yourself in this
0: work? So
3: s- CRT, is in, 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 it- it's like any well, it's like anything. Like it, it's not it's not something that's going to be a straight line or uh, a, a constant uphill uh, at the same elevation. There's going to be some ripples. There's going to be some waves. There's going to gonna be some setbacks. Uh, and 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 really, um, talk definitely talking with other educators, um, listening to to each other. Because I'm not in a classroom, I listen to students a lot and just listen to them, and just let them talk, uh, and then just kind of ask prodding questions, and and that helps rejuvenate rejuvenate me. is is listening to the students and really kind of like there's a connection and, and using it later on into a, for a positive positive way, um, really helps me feel like there's accomplishment and 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 and. and when you see that where there's something or something positive one day, but then it turns into something even even bigger uh, later down the road, I always go back to that first interaction and and how it started. So just kind of reflecting and, and remembering how how we got here and, and and maybe even where we've gone and and I think those are really good ways to to kind of get through.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. So any final thoughts or pieces of advice that any of you would like to share? Um, Just closing thoughts about culturally responsive teaching for listeners who may be just starting to learn about it, starting to get interested and thinking about how they might implement it in their own context.
1: One thing to think about, a lot I mean, I've been teaching for a long time. um, And I think if you asked me like 10 years ago, if I was culturally responsive, I would have I would have said I try to be, um, and I did. I tried to be, and I think it's. So I think it's. I think it's the kind of thing that it's not. It's not an end goal. It's not like okay, I've, I've, I, I am it now. Um, and and in fact, sometimes like the more you learn about it, then you're like, oh man, I, there's still so much more I could be doing to be better at this, and that can feel daunting. Um, and I, I, I would just you know, don't be daunted. <laughs> just you know. <laughs> Keep keep reading and keep trying and keep learning. Um, that's what we want our students to do. Um, and I think this is a really great example of 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 grownups kind of modeling the of the approach to learning that we want our kids to have. Um, it's it's a being culturally responsive is like a thing you do for forever. It's not it's not you know it's not a finite body of
2: knowledge. Yeah, I think Jenny had mentioned used the term disrupting or disruptor. And I think that just as a, a piece of advice, you do a little bit of culturally responsive teaching and everybody likes it. You do a lot of culturally responsive teaching, you start ruffling some feathers. Um, you know, we're seeing right now kind of a, maybe a backlash, or, um, you know, not everybody thinks it's a great idea to be fully embraced in culture responsive teaching and you know helping marginalized students feel valued and appreciated and you know teaching more about the you know, history and things of, of the country so um, you know it's it, you have to go into it kind of with your eyes wide open that you know if you're working with marginalized students and you're advocating for them and you are really in there fighting that it's not always gonna be you know smooth sailing and you know everything is great you're gonna you're gonna have to you know to fight a little bit to you know to to really advocate for your students
0: yeah I think the times we're in with eight states is it now that have passed legislation controlling how teachers talk about issues like race and racism it's making potentially the work of culture responsive teaching more challenging for teachers the question of how to sustain yourself even more relevant than it's ever been maybe and so um, i think that's a great point and why this podcast hopefully will be helpful for people thinking about how to stay in the work when it gets challenging we'll have to co- hold the conversation there for now. You can learn more about our work with culturally responsive teaching on the Merck website at merck.soe.vcu.edu projects. We will be sharing lots of information from this study, so be sure to sign up for our email listserv on our homepage to stay up to date on this research. You can also subscribe and listen to other episodes of Abstract wherever you get your podcasts, including SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Our thanks as always to the VCU School of Education for supporting the work that we do at Merck and to all our partner school divisions, Chesterfield, Goochland, Hanover, Henrico, Petersburg, Powhatan and Richmond Public Schools. Thanks also to the Virginia Center for Inclusive Communities for leading the student voice component of the project. And a big thank you to David Glass, Kevin Sosha, Jenny Smith and Heather Dawson for your amazing work on this project and sharing your advice today. And of course, thanks, as always, to you for joining our conversation. We hope you'll share this episode with anyone who you think would find it interesting or helpful. This has been another episode of Abstract, the podcast of the Metropolitan Educational Research Consortium in the School of Education at Virginia Commonwealth University, where we explore issues and ideas in public PK-12 education. Let's talk again soon.